you know, what it usually boils down to is, is uh, consistency. Okay. People want to see the same performance every time. They want security. They want to know that when they put the tool in the process that they can turn their back on it and walk away from it and that it's going to last at least this long every time. And after that, it becomes, okay, now I've made it last this long, I want it to be longer. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zanger, and we are coming to you from Fairlawn, New Jersey, from the America's headquarters of Sandvik Coromont. And this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And I'm in the studio here with my good friend, Jim Carr, among others. Jason. How you doing, Jim? We are here. I we know. We are here in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Can you believe it? I know. It's great. It's awesome. We're not in Chicago today. We're not in Chicago. No. We're on the East Coast. We are. We've done we the West Coast thing. We have done the West Coast. And now we're on the East now Coast. Now we're already on the East Coast. Yeah. We'll have to hit the South at some point. I'm sure we'll get down there yeah. someday. The way things are going, who knows? The sky's the limit, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's great to be here. Um, I, I think we've got a great episode um, coming up and uh, super, super excited to uh, to, to talk uh, with our guest today. Um, he's got some great knowledge of the of the industry and cutting tools, and um, I, I just got all, I got all my questions ready for him, and um, we're gonna fire away. I know you're excited. I am. I'm I'm pumped up and ready to go. But I, before we get into that, um, like we always do on the show, is we talk about manufacturing, manufacturing news. news. Yeah, and uh, today when I was uh, preempting it with you. Um, you had said we covered this already, but I don't think we covered the fact that uh, HP has a new 3D printer that's running 10 times faster than anything on the market nowadays. Yeah, I think when we when we talked about HP and 3D printers, it was just about the fact that HD was working on... Or I'm HP. Sorry, P as in Paul. Sorry. It was the fact that HP was working on color 3D printing, kind of right. like their regular color paper printing. Right, but that that was not the case on, on this one. Right, they say. It's a, so tell me about this one. What it says is HP unveiled its first three D printer on Tuesday, saying it is ten times faster and half the cost of the competition. Which is we all know how that works, right? The company is accepting orders for two versions of the printer: the HP Jet Fusion three D thirty two hundred and the HP Jet Fusion three D forty two hundred. Starting price for the Jet Fusion line is 130k. You gonna buy? How many you gonna buy? Well, that's not like you know the fifty dollar HP printer I'm used to buying. No, no, no. But uh, they they say this is gonna revolutionize the way the market is going with this new um, technology out there. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I wonder if like some of these more niche 3D printing companies are a little afraid of you know HP the the big behemoth jumping into this right well it, it it's it's great that they are leading the way and and you know they're making strides in that industry and that technology because it, 
it, it's super exciting um, and it's changing. It's changing. It's like a, it's like a paradigm shift in the way we think about manufacturing and where it's going. So I wish them a lot of luck. Um, you know, I would like to get a 3D printer at some point for car machine and tool. It's only um, 130 grand. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you got that in your pocket, you, don't you? Well, not not in my pocket. Maybe my uh, Platinum American Express card, huh? There you go. But Put you, in the you, can, card. you can always borrow me a couple bucks, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. We'll have to follow up on that um, in the future and, and, and see where that whole... Um, Technology and, and, and especially yeah, I, this I'm, new jet fusion from uh, HP. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what direction 3D printing goes into. And I'd love to hear from the Metalworking Nation on you know, what their perception is of 3D printing and whether they want to hear more about it and if it's of interest to them. Absolutely. So I got to ask you, yeah, how's Amanda? How's she feeling? She's great. you know Jason's wife's having a baby. Yeah, we're soon having a baby six yeah. weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. She's I'm excited. been complaining. It's not been a good pregnancy. It's not been easy for her. No. Yeah. Yeah. This trip out to Sandvik is actually going to be probably the last trip that I take. Um, you know, before stay, the baby comes, got to stay, stay home, stay take close care of my to wife. the fire, yeah, make sure exactly. everything's okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's good. That's smart. Yeah. Well, I wish I wish you the best. She's man. she's surviving. I think that's you know kind of the the theme right now. So, so got any names? What are the, what are the names? No, be? we actually don't. Um, we don't have a name. So um, I keep getting. Um, but you know, it's a boy. We, yeah, we know it's a boy. And and my my number one name that I want has always been Wolfgang. Going really? back, to, yeah, going back to my German heritage. Now, and, is, but my is wife it? is like absolutely not. They, we will not be using that name. <laughs> so yeah, we're, I can't we're, believe we're you guys don't have a name. Yeah, he, out yet. well, his name right now is New One, and um, that's like his code name. And we haven't come up with a real name for him yet. So cool. Yeah. So she doesn't she doesn't like my ideas. I look forward to meeting him in the next uh, yeah, in the next uh, couple months or yeah. so. It's great. Anyway, why don't you share with our listeners about what's coming up in mid September for making chips? All the all the exciting stuff we got in the yeah. In the so fire. September thirteenth and fourteenth, as we mentioned on the show before, we're right. doing a mastermind in a workshop. So yeah. you know, just to break them both down separately. So the mastermind is going to be a small group. What of, day is it? Uh, that is a Tuesday. Okay. Um, I'm testing you. No, thank you. Uh, I got a piece of paper in front of me that's telling me it's a Tuesday. Thank you for <laughs> providing me with that information. Structure, structure, Otherwise structure. Otherwise, I might, might have failed. Exactly. Got thank it. you, Jim. Um, so the Tuesday um, Mastermind, what it's going to be is a very small, intimate group of manufacturing leaders mm-hmm. um, who we're going to bring together and facilitate a conversation where we're really going to um, get into the um, nitty-gritty of some of the problems or opportunities that might be at their company and try to solve those for them and and put these people together in order to you know create a, a friendship and a um, kind of a, a peer relationship where these people can turn to each other in years to come and, and be able to help solve each other's problems and elevate themselves you know over their careers so I'm really looking forward to that yeah. mastermind and getting to Pow- know it these sounds people. like it's gonna be very powerful it's going to be powerful yeah. absolutely it's gonna be powerful there might be some you know tears and some you know stuff like that it's gonna be fun It'll be know? interesting yeah and then on um, Wednesday September 14th we're gonna have a workshop which in a nutshell, what it's going to be is we're going to take the concepts that we've talked about on making chips and we're going to put them on paper and we're going to help everybody to really make them real. So, um, you know, as I've mentioned before, you can... Oh, li- so they can leave with a tangible solution yeah, to so a problem that they might have ex- in their shop. Exactly. Well, not... Or business. Not, not a problem, but like um, just several opportunities that they can bring back to their business. It right. could be um, a marketing concept that we talked about and we're going to actually get that solution on paper so that they can bring it back and put it into action. Sure. 
Sure. You know? Some of our uh, special VIP, 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 VIP guests are going to be back and in that workshop with us, right? So if some of our listeners are there and participating in the workshop, if they want to, you know, just ask one of our VIP guests that we've had on the show for the last year and a half, they're welcome to do that too. It'd yeah, be a absolutely. Great time to meet those people and, and just get some solutions for themselves. Yeah. So, like, just so just as a couple examples, we did a marketing podcast, which was on we did. what? Uh, corporate snapshot. Corporate snapshot. Yeah. So, what one of the workshops that we could be having is to actually have that corporate snapshot produced while we're there in the workshop, so yep. that they can take it back to their company and then just basically, you know, give it to a graphic designer and have it put into an actual marketing piece that they can use in their business. Or it could be that we put together a crisis, um, crisis management, management oh, that's solution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that we want to just make sure that, you know, the metalworking nation actually takes what we've been talking about, which doesn't necessarily come from, you know, Jim and I's expertise, but we put it into action. So yeah. that's a big thing. So stay tuned. Yeah. Well, in, ad- in addition to that, it's a good segue into um, IMTS, the show, the big show in Chicago. September. What does segue mean, Jim? Segue. You know? And how does how do you spell it? S E G U E. Okay. Okay. And what does it mean? Should Should you write it down? No, I got it right it here. It means it's, it means when you move something slowly from one very good to another. Wow. Yeah, good, I know. I use that often, don't you I? You do. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I overkill. Yeah. I overkill a little bit, but anyway, it's a great segue into what I was going to talk about next about IMTS, the big show in Chicago, September 12th to September 17th. Uh, we're registered. You know, we're going to be there. We're going to be broadcasting live two days from McCormick Place, from the shop floor. I hope everyone is registered. IMTS.com is where you need to go to register. Of course, um, get your hotel reservations in soon because the city is going to be booked up solid. So I highly recommend you do that. And another thing, too, that IMTS was telling me, and I went to their website, I go to IMTS.com forward slash we hyphen R. They're highlighting a lot of people corporate executives in the manufacturing industry that um, uh, what what they say the reasons why they're going is they want to stay competitive they want why to they're stay, going to IMTS yeah they okay. want they want to be more competitive they want to be smarter they want to be prepared challenged and focused all of those things are part of the we are series on the imts.com website that brings in all of the the big scope of the reason why we all attend IMTS. Yeah, they're videos, right? And they're yeah. very nicely produced videos, very well, interviews. Yeah, I was I checked out a couple of them already and we may even have one of those people on the show as a future guest. So, I'm um, looking forward to that. Do you have any business news? What's going on at, at Car Machine Tool? Well, briefly, I, I'll, I'll, as long as you ask, I'll, I'll tell you. So, you know, we were doing a MailChimp campaign for email. MailChimp? MailChimp. Okay. P- what did I say? Uh, chip, I think. No. You're thinking Ch- chips. C- C-H-I-M-P. Okay. So okay. you're talking about the primate. I am. I, I, okay. We used Got to it. have that, but uh, my marketing company were, were just decided to move over to Autopilot, and it is it sounds so exciting, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting that campaign really soon and giving you, Jason, and our, our listeners some kind of feedback on how well, that j- all Just briefly, Mail, MailChimp is like what, what we at Making Chips use when people sign up for our, right. um, our weekly podcast email list That's it's on mailchimp so yep. you're moving from that to a more sophisticated I'm marketing that. campaign exactly okay 100%. and what's going to be the difference just briefly um, a traceability and trackability so if somebody, so you're going to be like big brother well it's i don't have all the specifics down yet and i'd rather not elaborate on something that i'm not fully um 
competent in talking about, but it's really exciting, and um, I, I, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you and the listeners um, in a future episode. Great. But let's get on with uh, our special VIP guests that we have in our studio today. Yeah, so that's we, why we came here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to talk yeah. to all. Talk, I can talk to, to you anytime. We can <laughs> on the phone, and and we do. But anyway, we're here in uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey. We are at the Sandvik headquarters, and we got a great guest here sitting right across from the desk in front of us. And I will let you do the honors of introducing him because I'm going to ask him all the tough questions. Great. So we we have in the studio Troy Stashi. Uh, who is the milling product specialist from Sandvik Coromat. So welcome, Troy. Hey, thank you. Good morning. Welcome. So Troy actually grew up in the automotive heart of America in in uh, Detroit, Michigan, and he was actually a part of an auto workers union. So he really knows what it means to be on the shop floor in that kind of a auto manufacturing environment. So Troy is a manufacturing engineer by trade, and now he is the milling product specialist at Sandvik Coromat. And what I'm told is that in a nutshell, Troy knows his stuff. So we, wow, look, that's for, a, we look forward that's to a, hearing that's a that. big nut to crack. <laughs> Troy knows his stuff. So yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we get into this, um, this milling episode? Yeah, well, this, this is absolutely ideal, Troy, that um, you're here today because uh, Car Machine and Tool tends to do more milling than anything, and that's kind of been the fundamentals of what the, the company's been set up to do over the last few decades. Um, so, again, it's it's a pleasure to have you uh, and, and share your knowledge with Jason and I and, of course, the whole metalworking nation that's listening in right now. So why don't you tell us in your own words... Uh, how you moved into this role at Sandvik and, and where your experience is. Well, I started, uh, as you said, on the shop floor. And while I was going to school, I realized, of course, that you can't continue to work your body like that forever. No. You know, I was no. young and uh, and I, I just, I wanted to do more. You know, I wanted more out of it. I really have always enjoyed working with metal and creating things, seeing the end result, working with the machinery, the fixturing. So it was natural for me to go to school, and then, you know, the engineering was great, that piece of it. You know, it was a lot of really great experience and knowledge to be had there. But still, you fight the same battles every day, and you work with the same product mix every day, and it's always about orders and shipments and which machines aren't running and which manpower do I need where. Yep. So, and then it's, of course, budgetary constraints. Do I have enough money to accomplish the things that I need to do to really make a difference? And then... Growing tired of that, honestly, over the years, led me into uh, Carbide. I was given an opportunity to go to work for, at that time, a really uh, prominent supplier to the automotive industry. So I took it, and I, I looked forward to that. And what that led me into was a number of different projects on any given day. So it gave me a lot of variety. I had a big company behind me, a lot of knowledge, a lot of development, a lot of relationships. And then... From there, I just found that I really, really loved being in the carbide industry itself. And then I could still stay on the shop floor. I could still work with the engineers, the principals in the companies, and, and I could still make a difference, but I could make a difference on a bigger scale. So that led me uh, into that. And then from there, I came to Coromont, which is, in my opinion, hands down the best in the industry. Sure. So the product mix, the people, the culture, everything, it's just phenomenal. They stand by their tools. They invest a lot of uh, money yeah. into research and development. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're people. And, right. It, that, it's so, all about a good culture. That's, a, right. you know, that, that, that's what makes a company really go from good to great. Yep. So then you know, the milling became just kind of my niche. 
and uh, I love it, and I've been doing it now for about 10 years. So, Oh, great. Congratulations. Yeah, and, you know, you. I'm, I'm sure you're doing a great job. So, you know, being um, a small machine shop owner um, that does a lot of milling day in and day out, we run into problems all the time. And I thought we'd start the conversation out maybe, you know, at a, at a 20,000 feet level. And why don't you share with me and the listeners, what, what do you hear most? You know, when people come to you with a problem that you need to solve, what, what is that overwhelming thing that you hear <laughs> all the time? Is it material? Is it carbide? Is it the substrate carbide grade? Is it the coating on the tool? Is it coolant? Is it speed? Is it feed? Is it what is it, Troy? What yeah. what what are, what are those things? Just we'll start out the conversation, okay. you know, really high level, and then we'll we'll pull it in. Yep, it's a combination of all those things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I'm throwing it back at you, man. But you know what? It usually boils down to is is uh, consistency. Okay. People want to see the same performance every time. They want security. They want to know that when they put the tool in the process that they can turn their back on it and walk away from it and that it's going to last at least this long every time. And after that, it becomes, okay, now I've made it last this long. I want it to be longer. You know, there was a day when we needed to make it go faster because ultimately the machine time is what creates money for you as a business owner right. and actually lowers your cost. Right. If you can put more through the machine in a quicker amount of time, it's just it lowers your fixed costs and you put more, more uh, profit back into the business. So it's usually a, a combination of one of those two things. It starts always with the security and the consistency. I think that's a great point. I mean, we've definitely found that trend that if we apply a tool that can replace you know, maybe a, another tool that's lasted three quarters of a shift and we, we were able to apply something that lasts an entire shift, that makes a huge difference. And, and that's what you know, the end user wants to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, you can optimize the cutting tool, but it's really about how you apply it. That's, that's where the consistency and the security comes from. It's programming methods. It's how you come on the component. Right, well, there has to be a good balance. I remember Absolutely. as a young machinist in the shop, uh, years, How long ago was that? A long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. And I wonder if the, the, I would, this oh, joke is ever going to get old. <laughs> no, it's not. But, you know, that, that, that's what makes me into the person Pun I am intended. today is, you know, I remember running carbide indexables years ago and... I say to my dad, God, that this is just great. And he's like, well, just make sure you're not spending more per hour in carbate than you are that we're getting back on the job. So, yeah, I mean, we could be flying, right? We right. Could, the chips could be flying off the top of the machine and outside. And, I mean, we'd be killing it. But if, if I'm indexing the, the carbite every, you know, 15 minutes, it certainly isn't efficient, right? Right. So those, those are the kind of things that when I was growing up in the shop that I listened and it, it, it's very important. What you said is, is how do we apply this technology, this new technology in the tools and the, the, the information and the processes that we have today into a real world manufacturing center and, and, and make it balanced and run efficiently. So uh, again, getting back, Troy, what what are those things that you overwhelmingly keep hearing? Um, is it is it problems with material? 
Is it problems? Or I know you said it's all of the above, yeah. but are, is there anything it, that you keep hearing over and over again? Yeah, I mean, for one, you know, if it comes to like the machinability of an iron-based material, just iron. like a cast iron, you okay, know, it depends on a heat lot. You can have a difference in machinability from one heat lot to the next. Absolutely. And that will require some change to optimize the process, to maintain that level of performance that you've seen before. And honestly, most people, they don't want to do that because it's really, okay, I've got this batch of material. It's going to take me this long to get through it. I'm just going to keep going that way with it. But steels are pretty consistent. But what we really find is the material mix itself is changing in the country. So we're, and what, what do you mean by that? We're That's machining less of the easy materials, less of the gray cast irons and the low alloy steels right. or low, low carbon steels. And we're shifting much more into the stainless steels and super alloys or yeah. pH-based stainless. Or, and that has created some issues for people, definitely. I agree. Trying to understand, number one, how to machine it, but number two, what is the expectation? And managing expectation is usually one of the keys, really, to explain to an owner or a, a business owner or a, a manager or even an operator that really this is about all you can expect. Mm -hmm. This is your window for surface footage and machining you know, parameters themselves. But ultimately, the tool is only going to last this long, and it doesn't well, really matter whose setup, tool you run. Setup and rigidity of setup yep. is another huge thing that will impact tool life, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you have a poorly or... or, or a fixture that it's not rigid at all and the tools vibrating right what's going to happen yeah it's going to chip it's going to chip it's going and it's going to fail right away so right. it's it's the the setup and the rigidity of the setup is a critical component of the overall Absolutely. success of the tool so what what kind of trends are there nowadays in in milling cutters for instance like you know i, I still can't get over the fact i, I remember when the, the new tooling technology and the, and the new carbide grades and the new um, coatings came out and we went away from coolant mm -hmm. and that was like the big thing and it was just an air blast for, for turn the coolant off because it's it's screwing up everything uh, what, what kind of trends are we seeing as far as Sandvik and um, techniques and, and trends in milling cutters well we've you know, traditionally, we will be a radial-mounted type of uh, insert. So a lot of companies have gone to tangential mounts, and uh, we don't to, really... To what, a, a tangentially-mounted insert in the cutter body it means they're actually attached or screwed into the side, the outside of the cutter, instead of being into the body itself in a pocket. They're more around the perimeter of the cutter. So, and a lot of our competitors have gone that way to a tangential tool, and they have their application for sure. But, uh, you know, usually what we try to do is incorporate the best features, which, you know, we find are the most suitable to, like, the machines that you're finding in the industry today. So the, the spindle size Like a lower horsepower, smaller, like a right. Cat 40. Yeah. So you need to be really mindful of how much power you're consuming and how much load you're putting on the spindle. That's a good question. So I'm going to interrupt. design that yeah. feature into so it. So when, you, when, you, when you're picking a tool or you're, you're assisting someone in, in picking that particular tool for that particular application, do you take into consideration the tool uh, horsepower? Yes, uh, absolutely. That's is where that like we a, start. Is that like a key element? That's oh, number really? one. So I would say nowadays you're 
most typical vertical machining center is rated anywhere from about 25 to 35 horsepower, right? Right. Yeah, so that, that's a good window of where you start, right? Yeah, and it doesn't take long to consume that with a milling cutter, especially if you're running a diameter larger than two or three inches and you have 10 or 12 inserts or teeth in the cutter body. Yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't take long and, to consume that maximum And you're going 20,000 ship per tooth, yeah. right? Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to just eat it up right So you away. have to find a way to make uh, insert with more cutting edges so it's double-sided, so you're inherently negatively pitched into the cutter body to sure. protect the backside of it, but you still have to try to find a way to make it shear or cut like a single-sided positive insert mm -hmm. so you can manage the horsepower and the spindle load that way. And that's really the direction that we've gone. Right. Well, you know, it used to be for a, a, a period I was seeing, you know, big cutter diameters, big shell mills, uh, big cuts, big lots heavy of cuts, <laughs> lots of chip. <laughs> Not and so much anymore. You would you would hear that cut across the entire facility. Absolutely. And then it seemed like that there was a trend in very, very high RPM, very high uh, surface feats, very low radial depth of cuts, and um, and and high feed rates. Right, high feed cutters. High feed cutters. So. Is that where we're at today in 2016, or what do you see the trends? Yeah, high feed machining is still a trend. St right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, low depth of cuts. Yeah, low depth of cuts. High feed. You know, 70, 80,000s or a couple. 78,000 yeah. ship per tooth? No, uh, oh. depth range. Oh, 70,000. Yeah. yeah, right. But you can still get 50 or 60,000 per tooth. Right. That is just chip load. That's incre it's cr incredible. Yeah. Chip thinning. Chip thinning. So you would not need a high. A higher horsepower machine, you wouldn't be losing any. Nope, that fits right in that twenty-five is horsepower that right? window. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. Very cool. So, you know, what what typically are those pain points then? That once you once you go into a shop and you're starting to solve somebody's problems and you're you're trying to convince them that this is the tool that they need to use to to really make this process efficient. What's the biggest pushback that you get? Programming. Oh, the programming. Always. Yep. It's really? It's always the programming. Nobody wants to change their programming, no. right? It's right. set. I don't want to change it. It's working. Yeah, because usually there's uh, traceability, depending on the customer that you're working with and who that they're supplying that component to. They have regulations, and there's certain amount of traceability that's required. And that can go back to every single little line in the program that you change. Yeah, see, that's probably— requires another study— and more quality tests and part tests, you know, to make sure that the surface structure is not changed. And so, yeah, it's always, always an issue to get a customer really to invest in the time to change all of the programs, not yeah. just one. It's every program. Yeah, it's probably not as much of a factor for you, Jim, since you're doing more high-value, low-volume jobs. But right. for somebody that's doing production machining, changing the program is a big deal. I mean, like the standard uh, old school tech, rather than just taking a large diameter shell mill and cutting that entire face or doing a tricoidal milling, mm -hmm. is, that, is that what you're saying? That people just don't want to even try to do the tricoidal milling? Right. Or? They don't want to. You know, there are a number of things to do when it comes to the programming side. The first thing is how you enter the cut, how you come on the component. Right. If you come straight, straight on. In, yep. Yeah, you have this 
what we call thick chip on exit, which causes the milling cutter actually to vibrate or wobble as it comes on. And then once the center line of the cutter is over the edge of the part, then the chip becomes thin on exit and everything settles out. So you'll hear that wobble noise until it comes onto the part in the cut and then it smooths out. Right. So if you just will radius move on the corner, a roll in technique. Into the steel. Yeah. Yep. Then you keep the chips thin on exit. The vibration goes away on on the entry and what does actually occur is tool life and security that's the benefit of that one little change because initially during that wobble while the cutter is coming onto the part you're actually chipping the carbide micro chipping yes. and fracturing the carbide so you lose the consistency and performance one time it runs for 30 minutes and the next time you only get 20 minutes and the customer comes back and hands you a bunch of used inserts and say it doesn't do the same thing every time i I need you to fix that so that's always the real place to start is how you approach the programming piece the entry and the exit and then don't if you're making straight line passes don't go on and off and on and off every time and just move over you got to come on it and then stay on it. Once you're in the cut, you just stay in the cut. Oh, so you're so saying use don't radius come, moves don't... in the corners. Stay on the surface of the part. Keep the tool loaded up. Keep the chip load on the part. Manage your engagement, how much of the material you're removing in relation to the diameter of the cutter that you're using, just by the radius that you use that you program in the corner. Because mm-hmm. every time that even if That's you, a great tip. That's a great tip. Even if you come on the part, roll in, and you come down, and then you make a 90-degree change of direction because right. you need to go the other way. Right. The machine actually has to stop to do that. And you may not even see it. It happens pretty fast. Right. They're pretty dynamic. But still, when you stop to change direction, all that cutting force and pressure unloads from the tool. And then it has to reload as you go the other way. And every time it unloads, it wobbles. And then it comes back into the cut, and it wobbles a little bit more until it gets going and loaded back up. And at every point of the change of direction or an exit from the cut, you risk more damage to the carbide. It's actually more more beneficial for you to come into the cut, stay in cut until you're done, and then exit away. So you maintained all the load. You've maintained the cutting force direction in the spindle. And it's consistent. There's fluidity in the cut. Absolutely. I totally hear you. It's a great tip, and it's so easy to think about. But But it's a challenge for I just just took a quick note. I just took a quick note with regards to programming. So old school programming was, you know, G&M code. Boom, you're you're going into a corner, blah, blah, blah. But now I would say, you know, 50, 70% of how we program nowadays is through CAM technology, right? And they're built with these features inside That was my question. So what have you seen from some of the major manufacturers in CAM technology? What type, is this called dynamic? There is the, you know, that's more the uh, trachoidal approach. Where right. You're taking little radial circular, cuts. Yeah. yeah. And, and that works. It's typically 10% yeah. radial cut, right? That works great for especially a super alloy material, something that is inherently creating a lot of heat and cutting force. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can actually make the tool last a lot longer by doing that. And you can run faster, faster speed, faster feed, because you've got a light engagement, short, short time and cut. So all the things that really go against the longevity of the carbide are minimized with the dynamic milling approach. Yeah. 
definitely. Let's talk a little bit, because I, I mean, I could talk about this all day long, but we don't have that much time. Let's talk a little bit about the, the coolant versus no coolant thing, mm -hmm. because you know, it seems like that's been around forever and, you know, it used to be like no coolant and then air blast only. And then, you know, now we're back to coolant and it all has to do with the, the coatings on the carpet. Can you, can you kind of elaborate a little bit sure. on that? Yeah. Thanks. Cast iron, steel, even some of your, uh, 400 series stainless steels. Dry. Well, it's a magnetic stand. Dr all dry. Dry. Definitely. Cause what happens unless you're using a high pressure coolant system, and you have a, a tool. Mean like a 1,000 PSI yeah. through the spindle coolant? Yep. Yeah, through the spindle, through uh -huh. the tool coolant. So the coolant is actually getting to the cutting edge. Yes. All you're doing is heat cycling the insert. The, there's so much heat generated in the cutting zone that it actually dissipates the fluid. So you don't really see the coolant on the cutting edge until it exits the cut. And it's so hot then. Then the coolant spray hits it and cools it immediately. Yeah. And that leads to thermal cracking. And eventually, over time, you'll get what looks like a comb, the teeth of a comb, down the cutting edge itself. And over time, those begin to connect perpendicularly to each other. Mm -hmm. And then a chunk of the carbide falls out, and a chunk of the carbide falls out. People keep running the inserts, and at the end, what you look like you have is just an insert that's worn out. Yeah, It's just worn out. You don't know why it didn't last as long as what it should. So if you eliminate the fluid when you don't absolutely need it because of chrome or nickel content or mm -hmm. a super alloy, something that you know you have to have the fluid for, you can eliminate that thermal cycling and actually improve your tool life by 30, 40, 50 percent. So overall, I just want to cast iron, 400 series stainless, yeah. and what, 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 what alloy? Steels, any, you know, low, low alloy, carbon, low carbon, 1020, 836, yeah, 4140, 4340. Well, that's a, that's a high carbon. Even yeah. an A2 or a D2 no tool steels. Dry. Dry. Wow. But we're Hard moving, steels. we're moving more towards those high nickel alloys yes, mostly, absolutely. aren't we? Especially here in the United States. Yeah, yeah the um, easy stuff is, is really. Is, is the trend in, in cutting tool technology to get that coolant more at the cutting edge? Yeah, certainly. We have tools prepared, you know, and a number of people do prepare their tools in a way that the jet or the flow of coolant is really very specific. It's very focused. It's very a specific size, and it's a very specifically directed to the area that it needs to reach. So that you can have that consistent yeah. um, coolant spraying yeah. in that So you that actually get edge. the benefit of the cutting fluid itself. You don't have this dissipation due to heat. Right. Well, I, I normally think... I think one of the greatest technologies that have been implemented in the newer machine tools lately is through the spindle coolant. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, feed rates that have gone from two inches a minute. Now we're easily going 45, 50 inches a minute. And the whole purpose of that is that coolant is keeping the tip of the tool cool. It's keeping the work material cool. But the best part is it's chip evacuation at <laughs> right. the top of the it's, hole, right? It's getting everything out of the way. Yeah, it's getting everything out of the way. So um, well, we, you're replacing, we don't have to pack. You're replacing all of your machines with coolant through the spindle yeah, machines, I, I would never buy another machine unless it had it in it. Absolutely. There's no way. Right. So uh, that technology versus just you know your ex, uh, external coolant shooting, but I'm talking about more like for shell mills. When is there a good application... Is it the same um, process, cast iron 400, 4140, still dry when we're using a shell mill? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. So what what uh, coatings does Sandvik have and put on their carbide insert that would be more susceptible to long-term 
runs without coolant. Yeah, we've invested a lot. That's one area where we have really invested a lot of time and effort and money into uh, over the last five years or more is coating technology itself, how we apply the tool, you know, the, uh, the coating itself, sure. you know, what it's made of. But it's also the preparation of the cutting edge, you know, how that cutting edge is prepared, how it's brushed or honed or how straight and smooth it is right. so that you can actually get the coating on there. But the coating technology and the edge preparation technology are, are definitely moving the direction to uh, promote tool life, to promote, you know, consistency, machinability for these materials, whether they be wet or dry. Some people still like to use the fluid just because it keeps the machine clean. It right. keeps the dust down. Well, or the wh- cast whatever. iron. Yeah, right. if you're running yep. cast iron, I mean, it's 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 yeah, it's, it's nice a, to keep that yeah. down and in the machine. Yeah. Nobody wants to the, breathe it. And exactly. It, the machine is clean. Exactly. So, and and the other uh, trend that I see um, you guys going into is that you you're getting more into educating the end user as far as how to use the tool properly, which is one of the um, issues that you just talked about briefly about the. Um, the wobble and making sure that you know customers are effect- most effectively using their tools in order to promote that tool life as well from yeah. an education standpoint. Yeah, we do a lot of on-site training. We'll do, we have classes here uh, at any of our facilities around the United States and world, actually, that we do customer training or you know internal training as well. But it's we have classes anywhere from super alloys to just basic machining principles. We have classes online. But a lot of it is just done right at the spindle with, oh, uh, God, I with, agree. with you know, the principles involved, whether it's the machine mm-hmm. operator, owner of the business, you know, whoever's managing the yep. production floor. You know, those are the people that you really need to reach. Right. And, you, and inevitably, the end result is you want to see the tool cutting the metal. You want to see it in the machine. Yeah. You want to hear it. Right. You want to feel it, right? Right. That's what it's all about. Anyway, I think it's a, it's about time that we should wrap this one up, don't you think? I know you were just giving me the signal that uh, we're at about that time, right? Getting the hook. We're getting the <laughs> well, no, not really, but uh, we we don't want to go too too long. No, but um, this has been a dynamic episode. It, yeah, I learned it's something. So it's so cool to finally have somebody that's really niche down in our particular industry that can talk, you know, on this level about uh, the the great tooling solutions that are out there and especially through Sandvik. I'd love to have you back at another time. Yeah, maybe we, I'd absolutely love to. Yeah, maybe when you're in Chicago sometime, you can come to our Chicago studio <laughs> That'd be or awesome. in Schaumburg because yeah. Sandvik's got yep. a facility right there sure in Schaumburg do. as well. I know it's a, it's as, as beautiful as this one here is uh, in Fairlawn. Um, but with that, I just want to I, I want to say, you know, Jason and I don't have all the answers. We sometimes think we do. Yeah, right? that's why we bring on experts. That's why we have Good people like Troy and our who knows his stuff, who knows his stuff, and uh, we we hope that we can equip and inspire the manufacturing metal cut metal chip uh, community out there, and hopefully that today by tuning in they've learned a little bit something more, and we've equipped them with some knowledge that they may not have known before they uh, tuned in to hear us today. Absolutely, and for that we're grateful that uh, they're here. Um, don't forget. How do people get a hold of us? If they if they got a question for me or for Troy or for you or I, I think the best way is, you know, we'd love to hear from you. What so is that phone if, number? if you call 312-725-0245. 
um, and leave a message and ask us a question. And we'd love to get, you know, your feedback on what you'd like to see in a future episode or if you just put it in the form of a question. Um, and we'd love to feature that on the show. We've done that already. We have. Yeah. Otherwise, they can call Jim at MakingChips.com, Jason sure. at MakingChips, Ryan at MakingChips. Also, don't forget to look us up on Facebook, Twitter, all the socials. We have a SoundCloud page and a YouTube page, too. And, and if they want to get a hold of you, Troy, are you on LinkedIn? I am. Yes, oh. I am on LinkedIn. Okay, so if they if they look for Troy Sashi, S-A-S-T-A-S-T-H-I. I typed it wrong. Let's start that over. Jim threw me off here. Okay, Troy Sashi. Yes. So that would be... S-T-A-S-H-I on LinkedIn. You can get a hold of him. That's it. Great. One other thing, too, I want to mention about okay. Ryan and his laptop. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've got a Patreon Go account for him. Uh, you know, Jason uh, still thinks that we should get the donations going for uh, Ryan for his new laptop. So if you go to makingchips.com forward slash Ryan, there is a Patreon account there. And last just last week, somebody donated 100 bucks towards the effort. Yeah, so, that was great. I know. It was, I love how you always call me the cheapskate. Well, you're trying to you're really trying to push that brand for me, huh? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to push you as the old guy. And you're trying to push me as well, the Well, I am the old guy. And just for the I... record, I mean Jim's not that old. He's just, you know, it's all relative, you know. <laughs> it is. You, Actually, you I, I, like, feel, I feel 35. You look like you're in your 40s, you know. Oh, thank so you. That's, thank so that's you. good. I'll, you know? I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> he's actually in his 70s, but he looks like he's in his 40s. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, what does my dad always tell me? If you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam, bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Oh, 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 oh,